0: Stand and think about where they will spend eternity, where will we go when we die, what happens though, what we're going to talk about this morning, this afternoon is what happens when a person dies, what transpires at those moments, so read with me if you could, I'm in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 1 and following, I'm going to read in the ESV, the English Standard Version, we have a host of great translations that we can all take advantage of, I'm choosing ESV for this reading. Chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, verses 1 and following. I must go on boasting. This is Paul writing. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ, and this is a discreet way of him describing his experience. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Verse 5. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrained from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. I have something to say to you. An OBE stands for an out of body experience. Here is a scriptural example of a man, Paul, who had an out-of-body experience, although he says he's not sure if this experience of being caught up into the third heaven, that's in heaven itself where the Lord dwells, that if that was a out of the body or was he in body elevated into the third heavens. Either way, it's insignificant. The point is that Paul had a special private rapture to heaven exclusive to him what an experience that must have been like it was so astounding that when he comes back to his senses in a normal fashion in the world he says what he heard what he saw was too t o o too sacred to be uttered it was awesome in other words it was beyond description What if you had a journey to heaven? What do you think that would be like? What would you see if you went to glory? We all have that prospect as believers like Kim who shared her testimony and others here in this room that can say, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him for that day. Paul as well says, I know that Christ died for me. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And then he could say, I am willing to be absent from my body and to be at home with the Lord. James chapter 2 verse 26 describes what happens from a biblical, not a necessarily a med- medical or scientific standpoint. It tells us as the body without the spirit is dead. When I was in college, I had a theme paper that I took up called The Meaning of Death. What Determines Death? The uh, professor that I had happened to be uh, a board member of St. Vincent's Hospital, and he was a part of the ethics committee because there were a lot of things that were coming into the hospital back in the 70s that were somewhat questionable ethically whether or not the hospital should endorse it or not. So he was a very, uh, very good professor, to tell you the truth, to have on the topic of, uh, I believe the title of the um, class that I took was called Medical Ethics. Well, anyway, near-death experiences. There are approximately 10,000, 10 million, rather, people, Americans, that have claims, 10 to 20 million Americans claim that they have had a near-death experience. You know, if we were to test, and we should test everything the Bible says, we have to test them on the basis of what saith the Scriptures. How do we determine what is right? How do we determine what is wrong? How do we determine what is heresy? It all really goes back to the garden when the devil said to Eve, "Half God said." That was a wonderful way to plant in the mind of man doubtfulness about the credibility about God saying, "Is God dependable? Can I count on his word? Can I be sure?" Half God said. Doubt was then planted right there. Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. First, Romans 3, 4 says let God be true and every man a liar. So there's something that exceeds the credibility of what a person can say or experience versus what the Bible can say. You know, in More recent years, I know it's been around for a long time, but there's a a heightening of the supernatural with OBEs, as I mentioned, the paranormal, astral projection, mediums, and on and on and on. That whole spirit world. It's nothing new. Matter of fact, the Bible prohibits even entertaining thoughts of necromancing or going to witches or mediums or fortune tellers, or tarot card readers, as we would call them today, those were forbidden in the scriptures. They are very, though, entertaining, you must admit, and they get your curiosity up. When I was in college, there was a program in the 70s uh, that a man named Kresgen, he was called Amazing Kresgen, because he was able to, so to speak, contact the dead or have these... Uh, Supernatural abilities to be able to detect certain things and read people's minds that were in the audience. And one of the things that he became famous for is whenever he went and spoke at different venues and he happened to come to our college and there was a, there's a check that's obviously written to the speaker, to Kresgin. And this, on this occasion, this is back in 73 or 4, was a check of $2,000. And he told all the people, 500 people were there at least in the audience. And he said, I want just anybody to come up here with me. I want you to escort me out of the building. And the rest of you that are left here, you can decide where you want to hide my check. I'm going to give you five minutes. I'm going to be outside. And when I return, you've got to give me two minutes to find the check. If I don't find it, it's a gift back to the college. If I do, it's mine. So everybody was like, "Wow, that's cool. All right, get out of here. Let's see what we can do. So they had some wacky place that we had. The audience agreed on where would it would be a good place that he would never think of. Sure enough, as the clock went down, one of those Houdini-type things, right at the end, he says, it's right up there at the top of the curtain. They had to get a ladder to go up and get it, and sure enough, it was there. Well, those things are very impressive, and you wonder, where do they come up with this? I think NDEs in some way are in a category of the mysterious. Let's define, first of all, what is an NDE, near-death experience. That title, NDE, near-death experience, was given by Raymond Moody uh, back in the uh, early uh, 1970s. That was the first time the word was used. And it's defined this way. When a person describes an encounter that occurs when they are certifiably unconscious or clinically dead. It's an out-of-body experience. So an NDE is when a person describes an encounter that occurs when they're certifiably unconscious or clinically dead. It's called an out-of-body experience. This is what is known as NDEs. People that have had them have come up with all kinds of sayings. Here's one, for instance. An nde -er said this, I'd like to take over the pulpit and tell people what is really on the other side and that the guilt preached by Christian churches are completely inappropriate. Another one said, I no longer believe that non-Christians aren't accepted in heaven. Why do they come to these convictions? Because of what they experienced. That experience dictates for them their conclusion on the matter and how to understand the afterlife. See, NDEs, or NDE's are becoming the new resource for answers to the afterlife. You don't need to go to the Bible anymore. You can just listen to the experiences that people have had after they passed out of their body. I like to put it this way, that if the Bible isn't true, Then nothing matters. If the Bible isn't true, then nothing matters. But if the Bible is true, then nothing else really matters. If the Bible isn't true, nothing matters. If the Bible is true, then nothing else really matters. You see, if there is no hell to shun, there is no gospel. If there's no heaven to gain, there's no gospel. We want to ask the question. Are NDEs another gospel, something worthy of consideration? So what claims do those who have NDEs state? They go through a tunnel, many of them, or a garden with flowers and beauty, or a warmth, or a, a light that embraces them. They, they, they emerge into a sense of unconditional love. There's no discomfort. It's peaceful. It's tranquil. It's comfortable. Some claim they meet God or Jesus or dead relatives or even dead pets. Met relatives and friends who had already died some years before, 10, 15 years before, claims that they met their dead relative, and the dead relative has the authority to be able to either keep them on the other side with them or to send them back to the world in this life. What's so amazing about NDEs is that we can't just poo-poo it either. I have wrestled with the topic, to tell you the truth, for probably almost 20 years. Uh, the first book I read was a book by a Mormon woman named Betty Eady, who wrote a book called Embraced by the Light. And in her story, which by the way happened in the 70s, she remembered it or told of it nearly 20 years later, put it in a book and it became a New York Times bestseller. It's not uncommon that people have had, that have claims of being, having, having had an NDE don't often report it right away, but sometimes two or more years later that they will report it. But what these things do show is that is there a survival of consciousness when a person is classified as clinically dead? I know I have some medical people here, some nurses, very good ones as well, who've been in the presence of people who have died, understandably, and my understanding would be that a clinically dead person would be a person who does, is not breathing, whose heart's not beating, and who has no brain waves. Would that be safe to say that that pretty much is what would classify somebody dead? I know there's more thorough uh, examinations that can take place, but I think from a general standpoint, that would be a classification of being clinically dead, and therefore, expectations of anything going on after one is dead is unexpected, unheard of, impossible from a scientific standpoint. My uh, daughter-in-law happens to have a father who and brother who are both neurosurgeons. And sometimes I take advantage of that, like if I have a question, by going through her to them. And they've been always very kind in responding to questions that I might have that if I want to try to help somebody, um, I, I, I might tap them on the shoulder. And I did the same thing with this question, asking them about what their understanding was of NDEs. Were they real or how would they explain it from a their standpoint, a neurological standpoint? And I'm gonna read to you what was written back to me through my daughter in law, who's Brazilian whose father's Brazilian, so it was sent in Portuguese. She translates it into English, so it's probably not going to come out as exact as it was when he put it in his language. But he says, first of all, it's a difficult task because much of the subject comes across personal beliefs, and that is something really hard to comment without being somewhat partial. Anyways, as far as I know, even though not having witnessed anyone or any accounts directly on the subject... My personal opinion on this is that when a when a person is exposed to anoxia or periods of lack of oxygen and that is probably the scenario happening in those near death experiences a number of transmitters are released in the bloodstream and a number of sensations are replicated in the brain even though individuals are considered dead with no electric brain uh, brain activity and no heartbeats, maybe the brain might be in a sort of, quote, profound sleeping state. This is controversial because electric activity is present during sleep. When those patients make it back to life, so to speak, they recall those experiences and interpret them as being those accounts of an out of body experience, seeing a light in a tunnel, etc., etc. Not all those experiences are pleasant, as some described. Or it might be even epileptic phenomena seizures, triggered also by the hypoxic environment to which neurons were exposed. All of this is only part of the explanation and doesn't necessarily contradict other alternatives. It is just a neuroscience point of view. I hope I have shed some light on the matter. Again, I remark this as being my way of explaining things and can't be regarded as the e- absolute explanation. So I give him credit for his his sensitivity to the subject and his desire to be impartial. But again, from a neurosurgical, scientific standpoint, it would be an impossibility. But we have souls, do we not? We have spirits, do we not? Do we not know that there's out-of-body capabilities that a person can survive after the body succumbs to death? Let's look first at some of the positive aspects of NDEs. Clear evidence has it that some are genuine, which lends itself to the conclusion that there is an afterlife. It proves the fact that man can survive the body, even though the body does not have the vital signs that are normally expected to keep it alive, Still, there's consciousness evident. Many people's lives who have had NDEs have changed. Some of them were even atheists and, and agnostics. Their lives were altered, their perception of divine realities became now more recognized by them than ever. Their experience verifies the Bible's teaching on phenomena like what we read in 2 Corinthians 12. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell such a one that was caught up into the third heavens. That's where his location was for his out-of-body experience. And ease could also open up people's willingness to read and maybe trust the Bible. Because the Bible is a book that teaches us things about the spiritual world and about the world after this world. Jesus says about this world, or age, and the one to come, that they neither have forgiveness in this world nor in the world to come, Matthew 12, 31 and 32. So the Bible highlights the afterlife. Our life is more than just a physical journey from birth to our last breath but man is created for eternity we are born with an immortality that's indisputable from the biblical standpoint now some of these NDEs just to verify the fact that they are not fluky at at all times um, some of them are bizarre to say the least some of them conflict with others who had also NDEs and we'll get to that in a minute, but i want I want us to say something more positive about it, in that, for instance i 'll give you a couple examples. There was a one woman who had uh, gone into a cardiac arrest. she was classified as clinically dead, and uh, of course, facts were that she could not possibly know anything after that point, what was going on in the operating room or anywhere else well during that Time when she was classified as clinically dead, which was for up to 20 minutes, if I remember this case correctly, she claims that she had in her soul or spirit ascended above the height of the hospital, which would have been many stories high. And when she came to, she had said that she had this experience, and she saw a blue sneaker on the roof of the hospital. Well, that was kind of laughed at, but one of the doctors there had... Given orders to one of the maintenance people and says, I want you to go up to the 18th floor or whatever, get a ladder and go up on the roof and tell me what you find. If you do, please bring it back. Guess what? It was a blue sneaker. A blue sneaker. If I was going to make a false report, I think I'd say a white sneaker, wouldn't you? Probably, back then at least, when this was recorded. Uh, Other instances, um, people have claimed that in the operating room when they're in this clinically dead state that they've been able to, from their vantage point, in a heightened position, that they are now able to view everything that's going on below. One person said that there was a five-cent piece on top of one of the uh, pieces of uh, equipment, which was higher than anybody's head. And And the person said that not only was it a nickel, but the date, I believe, was 1978, whatever the date was. Again, they checked it out, and sure enough, there was a nickel on top of that piece of equipment. You figure that out. And there have been hundreds and hundreds of cases that you'd have to say, what? Where they could just people in the operating room, when they get into this state, are able to describe the color of uniforms that they have, conversations, where scissors were located, what draw they pulled out a particular instrument, and all other kinds of things that would blow your mind. How did they know that? Hmm. This is not an easy topic to come down on one side or another with with some kind of dogmatism. I'll tell you that. Matter of fact, there are a lot of things that we don't understand or know. Scripture says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us. So what's not revealed to us is not, doesn't make it unreal. It's just that we don't know it. But God does. And we have to accept that. But let's look at some of the negative aspects of NDEs. It, I'm, I'm not disputing the fact that people do have them. And I said 10 to 20 million have claims of experiencing it. Well, what about the others that have had occasions when they went into a state of being clinically dead and were... Unconscious for 10, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, even as high as that. Most of them said, I never experienced anything. I don't remember anything. Didn't go anywhere. There was a doctor, I forget his name, Panier, I think his name was, in England, had uh, got permission from the hospital administration to be able to set up certain equipment in each of the operating rooms so that when persons did have cardiac arrests, and went into this clinically dead state that it could be ascertained whether or not this story could be supported. Spent a lot of money and a lot of time and got the equipment up, and there were 40 cases over, the, over like 2 or 3 years or 5 years that were all evaluated. Every person had gone into that state, and not one of the 40 of them was able to claim that they had an NDE. So it's certainly not common, although I bet somebody in this room may have had one I don't know but I have met people that claim that they have been in a state of death and that they actually have floated one case was a person went all the way from the east coast to the, to the mid states of, of Minnesota or Wisconsin and further and was able to report things out there that turned out to be accurate what is this all about again it's not an easy topic Here are some of the negative aspects of the NDEs. Some people, and some of these things I think can disprove some of them at least. Some people have had more than one NDE. The same person with two NDEs, or, or two clinically dead experiences. In one case they had an NDE, the other time they didn't. Another time when another person had two of them, the second NDE, they, the, the, that person had two NDEs. The second NDE was different than the first NDE, and it is of the same person. That makes it a little more discredible. Only a small percentage of people, very, very small percentage of people, have NDEs. Why doesn't everybody experience NDEs? Are all NDE experiences positive? No. Some of them are hellish-like experiences, where people will experience a going-to-hell-like experience, where they're traumatized by the environment. Experiences of, of people that have these NDEs are relative to the culture. So, for instance, if you're an American and you have an NDE, in the, this, this, is, this is factual. People will describe sometimes being transported in a cab. In a third world country, people that have NDEs, and by the way, it's not an American, uh, simple, uh, simply American experience, but people that have NDEs in other countries have been claims that they were transported in a cot, C-A-R-T, not a cab, because it was relative to their culture. Some experience seeing Jesus... Others from India and other countries experiencing Buddha. About 10%, they say, of the millions that have had NDEs are hellish experiences. Persons who they meet are able to send them back to where they came from, which seems to give the sender some kind of autonomous sovereignty that they have the ability to be able to say, I want you to go back. There was one lady who was having her third child, and in the process of birthing the third child, she had a cardiac arrest, which was very unusual, but it happened, and the person ended up dying on the operating room just as she's about to give birth to the baby. When she went into the spirit world, she was asked by a relative, do you want to go back? And the person said no. Not because she didn't want to be back with her baby, nursing her baby and so on, but because the claim of the experience of being in the spirit world that she was enveloped with was so homey and comfortable and peaceful that there was no desire to want to go back to the world. Almost all the stories that are reported are mundane rather than majestic. Paul said that he saw things that were too sacred to be uttered. Some of the more prominent ones in books by authors who have reported on their their NDEs have reported them much later than when the NDE happened itself. Some two years, some even up to 20 years later. Some of them have been proven to be false reports that they were exaggerated and they were simply done to promote their book and for royalties that they would gain from it and the notoriety that they would have as a result of it. Many of these are inaccurate. They have faulty details about what they heard and what they saw in heaven. Someone claimed that they saw John the Baptist. Someone said, well, was he with a head or without a head? You know, uh, (laughs) so it it can get very mysterious and kind of goofy. Why doesn't everyone have an NDE? Why is it only certain people have NDEs? I don't know if you can come up with an explanation like that. Seeing dead relatives that can send you back implies some kind of deity to them. If they're able to send you back as having some kind of authority or oversight of your soul, it also can give you license to live a sinful and licentious lifestyle since there are no consequences. If atheists and agnostics go to a place of peacefulness and calm and, and light at the end of the tunnel embraced by this unconditional love, this feeling of security and peace... Well, dying becomes a wonderful thing then. Who's afraid to die? Guess what? The reports that are brought back is you don't have to fear death. No matter what you did. If you're an atheist, don't worry about it. If you're concerned about going to hell, don't worry about it. NDEs can take the pulpit away and the Word of God can be overridden by such testimonies and assurances that they claim. But what is the final analysis, and how to determine whether this is another gospel? I'm fearful of it. I believe that it, it it is the most detrimental thing to the gospel of anything on earth that I know of. Uh, uh, heresies that are propagated verbally they can be easily uh, altered. They, I mean, they can be challenged, they can be debated, and proven wrong. But this is experiences that millions of people have had about the afterlife. But keep this in mind. None of them are permanent deaths. Isn't that interesting? None of them are permanent deaths. They're all temporary. Some for just a minute, seconds, maybe longer. But it's not permanent. They're not there forever. Like when you die, your spirit departs from your body and you're wherever you're going to be, Forever. In Luke 16, now let's have a final analysis of, is this another gospel? Luke 16, Jesus talks about two people that died, a rich man and a poor man, a beggar. One dies and goes to Abraham's bosom. The other one dies and is tormented in hell. My soul is tormented in this flame, he says. He was longing for a drop of water to come and cool his tongue, not only for himself, but he said to Father Abraham, send Lazarus to testify to my brothers. I have five brothers, so that they will not come to this place. He thinking that if persons on the other side came back, if the beggar could come, come and speak to Lazarus's five brothers, then they would believe. Jesus comments on that and says, wrong. He says, even if somebody were to come back from the dead, they would not believe. Because if they don't believe in Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe even if someone came back from the dead. What does that tell you? What's more authoritative? The Scriptures Moses and the prophets which is embracing the whole of the word or the experience and testimonies of individuals Luke seventeen five, Jesus says fear him who has authority to cast your soul into hell yea I say unto you fear him Jesus said if you die in your sins where I am you cannot come how do people who are in their sins, unsaved, never born again, how are they in heaven, how are they enjoying peace, comfort, and so on in the presence of Almighty God? Something's wrong. We either throw out the Bible and accept the new gospel of the Ears, or we say those ears need to be interpreted carefully, wisely, and not to become substitutional to the Bible or a replacement to the Bible. You'll find these books, 23 Minutes in Heaven, 90 Minutes in Heaven, or In Hell, or whatever, those have been top-shelf selling books for years. I think it's starting to dwindle down because there have been so many books that have been put out on that. I've read myself about a dozen or more, let alone listening to, to articles, uh, reading articles, and listening to YouTube, of NDE people, and, and the good ones, too. I mean, uh, good... Cr- Critics, good uh, apologist Gary Habermas, for instance, and some others that have explored this topic. I wish more, more science, more uh, ex- exploration. What's being done on this subject? Because I think it's important. It, it's important to us who are Bible believing people. We need to know what's going on out there. You know, we're very con- con- conscientious about political things and things that affect us, maybe locally or. Uh, Laws that are being passed. This is something that defects the scriptures. It's a, it's a, it it can be an assault against God's word. I've heard people tell me, even Christians, how wonderful it is after you die. And he was telling different people about it. People who need to be told, repent of your sins, turn to God, put faith in Jesus Christ. He'll make the difference in your life. And you'll have that peace and assurance. Like the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what happens when a person dies. George Whitfield says, sudden death is sudden glory. When we die in a true death, when the soul, spirit, separates from the body, James 2.26 says, that is the meaning of death. Now we have medical reasonings and explanations on what determines death. But the simple, non-scientific claim of the Bible is that as the body without the spirit is dead. There's a permanent absence of the spirit from the body. Sometimes people bring up, what, it was Lazarus for four days. He would have some interesting stories, I suppose, if you thought about that. The Seventh-day Adventists like to use that and say, see, he was in a soul sleep. He never gave any record about what went on in the underworld or the spirit world. Well, again, that's all conjecture. It's not worthy of attention. Man dies, wastes away, gives up the spirit, and where is he? If you really want to be sure of where you're going to go when you die... You've got to believe the Word of God. These things are written, the Bible says, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life in his, his name. Now I know there are, and I'm not trying to poo-poo every person that has had NDEs. It's a reality with some for sure. It's indisputable and I don't doubt it. I'm sure I have more to learn and more testimonies to hear and uh, I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of this. And I don't know if the neurosurgeon's explanation has some credibility to it. You might want to lean in that direction. I don't know. I mean, when you think of your own dreams, I know, but do you ever try to get really like into your dream? And you're like, wow, it seemed so real as it was going on. You feel like you're really there. Has anybody ever sleepwalked? Yeah, I've done that to myself. Spooky, isn't it, Mickey, when that happens? I walked out of the house. My mother, I was about 17. She says, Gary, where are you going? It was 4 in the morning, pitch blackout. I was like, I would hear my mother say, go back to bed. And I just turned around went back to bed and found out the next day that I had sle- sleptwalk. I never did that before. I don't know how many times you've done it, Todd. Probably many times. I don't know. You seem to be the type. But <laughs> how does that happen? I don't know. But... You know, I'm not a brain surgeon and I think even a brain surgeon would say there's so much about the brain that we do not know that it's unexplainable as far as our scientific advances are concerned but it is all amazing, is it not? And I'm not just trying to entertain you with this subject but I'm trying to bring to your attention the need to be careful to not let the NDEs become the new gospel so that we're not bringing God's word to people but simply telling them don't worry about dying. I've died. I've, I've, I've gone to heaven. I've, I went into the tunnel. I experienced the warmth. I was embraced by the light, etc., etc. What does that do? It gives people a false consolation, and it really trumps the Bible. People's experiences now become the new Bible, and now their voices for truth, and that's something that we need to be warned about and careful about. I'd love to get your feedback from anybody that's had an NDE or knows somebody that has. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated with the topic. And I think as gospel-minded people, it's important that we understand this to some degree so that we can stand on the Word of God and not get pushed around by modern things that are happening. And, of course, there is a spirit world, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world the demons and devils that work things the way who knows what's going on behind the scenes. So let's have on our helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Let's be geared up and let's not compromise the Word of God. Jesus says the Scriptures cannot be broken. The Word of God is the final authority. So all experiences need to be tested by the Word of God not all, not the Word of God tested by every person's experience. All right. We're going to close in prayer and then we're going to sing the song I'm Exalted. What is it? He is Exalted and I'm going to need some help on bringing these voices up on that song. I'm not as familiar as some of you other singers are. Let's close in prayer then we'll stand and we'll sing our final song He is Exalted. Father, we humbly come before You. We thank You that the truth of God it's indisputable. Thank you that the scriptures cannot be broken. Thank you, Lord, that this is our map of life and our map for death. And help us, O oh God, to be able to stand firm on the Word, to know it, to memorize it, so that, Lord, when we are confronted with a non-gospel approach to, to the afterlife, that we would be able to refute it from the Word of God in a godly, humble, and truthful fashion. Lord, if anyone in this room doesn't know their eternal whereabouts. They don't have the peace and assurance that if they were to die that they would be with Christ. Lord, might your Holy Spirit even now work in their lives and draw them to Calvary's cross and give them a vision of what Jesus accomplished there when he bled and died and suffered the penalty of our sins to take them away as far as the east is from the west and give us the assurance that heaven is our home. Lord, have mercy on them, we pray thee. Guide us through the rest of the day, Lord. Bless our time with one another and we give you praise and thanks all in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. He is exalted. Do we have a lyrics for that song? Yes. All right, stand up. And Mickey, could you start it off? with?